Welcome to your Future Therapist podcast. I'm your co-host, Kelly Newsom. Today, I'm talking with Maria Thomas about elderly care. So good to see you. Thank you again, you, Maria. You're, it's good to see you too. Thank you. So the subject came up via a text combo, and you had mentioned just how hard kind of the last few months had been. Um, and I asked why, and you said, well, taking care of the old folks, right? And how... Um, how much time you spend and how stressful it is and that you and Sean are like the single ch child, right? The only children yes. and, and the pressures that come from that. But before we start, I just wanted to share some statistics from uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And this comes from the U.S. Department of Labor. It was released September 21st um, of this year. And I'll put the link uh, in the show notes so anybody can take a look at this. So I have three statistics. So of the 37.1 million elder care providers in the civilian non-institutional population, so that's you, Maria, yep. Age, yep, age 15 and over, the majority, 59%, are women. I thought that was very interesting. So individuals age 45 to 54 and 55 to 64 were the most likely to, prov to provide elder care following by those ages 65 and older. Over half of elder care providers ages 25 to 34 cared for a grandparent, while the majority of providers aged 35 to 64 cared for a parent. Providers, <laughs> providers ages 65 and over were more likely than those in other age groups to care for a friend or a neighbor, which I thought was really interesting. Very so, interesting. Yeah. So there's, I mean, so many more statistics. Those are just the the first three that kind of popped out at me, but I was wondering if you wouldn't mind just summarizing kind of what you and uh, your husband are experiencing. Yes. Yeah, so uh, four years ago, my mother-in-law was diagnosed with early onset of Alzheimer's and, you know, which is shocking to get that. And then you have to ask yourself, okay, now what? And so that really sent us down a path um, <clears throat> of, you know, discussing with her what her expectations are. And, and you know, we didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. So um, we've always taken care of our people and there's always been somebody there to do it. You know, the older generation, so to speak, would take care of the mm -hmm. very old, you know. Um, but I heard a very interesting um, term, which is called the sandwich generation. Uh, my therapist was saying that, so then you have, you know, people are living longer and we're having kids later. So now we're sandwiched between taking care of an old person or old people and still having kids in high school. Mm. And it is really, really hard. And that is not something I ever thought of understood, but I'm seeing it more and more. And it's, it's really, really hard. And so you had mentioned that uh, you had made a comment, like you didn't know anything. Can you kind of expand on that? Uh, what what does that mean, like in the world of dementia or just in healthcare? I mean, kind of lay All out of the it. picture for us. Okay. Yeah, sure. So I did not have very much or any experience with someone that I knew directly that had Alzheimer's. Um, and my mother-in-law was 67 when she was diagnosed. So that's very early. Um, and so we just started going down the path of educating ourselves. We went to the alzheimer.org website and it talks about the different stages. And because Alzheimer's 
just so crazy, you know, there's no rhyme or reason for a lot of things that you can go in and out of stages. You can stay there for a while. You can go way down, skip them. I mean, there's, it's, it's all out there. And so that alone scared me because you don't know how to prepare. Mm -hmm. And so then the question came up about finances. And in our case, my mother-in-law being young, uh, didn't prepare correctly. So in having conversations with her about what we were going to do and how we were going to kind of, you know, first of all, those are very hard conversations because someone has just gotten a diagnosis that is horrific. And, but going down that path, I started, well, let's look into this, figure out what, what is there for people who don't have, um, you know, huge retirement, you know, money sitting there. And so all the places, the very nice ones are between seven and $10,000 a month, private pay period dot done. Shocking to me, didn't know. And so because my mother-in-law is so young, she could be here for 20 years. Mm -hmm. So that's not really a, an option for us. So um, I just went down the Medi-Cal, the Medicare, and just calling anybody and everybody in the senior realm. And eventually I got to a great person who was very, very helpful. Okay. And would you, is that a resource that we could share in the show notes? Do you feel, or? Um, I feel, I don't, I think what you, what, if people are trying to find a senior advocate, they just start calling the county, their county that they're in. And the honest truth is we had to call Vacaville for some of these because Yolo County doesn't necessarily have some of the options that maybe a bigger community has, you know, bigger county like Sacramento. So, okay. um, you know, I think the most important for part, most important part would be to just look at all the resources that are out there for you and, you know, go all the way to the end because mm -hmm. you don't know when the end will be there. I mean, these things, so if you, so if we educated ourselves enough so that we are prepared for step two, three, four, five, and whatever. Right. So tell me what, what kind of care are you and your husband providing for your mother-in-law? What does that look like? Well, one of the things that would surprise people is when you are, have kids at home and a business and busy lives and things, the amount of time that our senior family members need, it's a lot. It's, and you feel a little bit like you're invading their privacy because you're so involved in every, you know, all the medications. Mm -hmm. are, are you using the bathroom right? Are you eating right? I mean, it's just, it's a lot. And so um, we, for her, we kept her in her place as long as we could. Then we moved her to a senior uh, apartment. And then we got her a caregiver that would come over a couple days a week. Um, and caregiving is tremendously expensive. Um, so, you know, you have to go and try to find, we had a local company that's a, a, a bigger company come and take care. And um, it was $3,000 for part-time for one month. And how often are they coming in for in that scenario? Well, in this particular company, it was at least 12 hours a week 
you ha you and you ha so you had to do like 24 hours of the, as the two weeks minimum something like that and so yeah i mean it was two weeks and it was three thousand oh. dollars and so you know it, it the money goes fast mm -hmm. and it, you know and the, you know if you could be here 10 or 15 years I, it's that's the overwhelming part and so you know and finding the right caregiver you know for you know my mother-in-law she's super easy that was easy, but mm -hmm. you know, some Alzheimer's patients aren't easy, you know? So, um, but yeah, trying to find the best care for her and what had happened is going there three days a week, four days a week. And then Sean is going, and I'm going in between mm -hmm. making sure her medication is right. And then it, it got to the point where she couldn't even take her medication correctly. So we knew that the higher level of care had to happen, but we were prepared because we knew exactly who to call, where, and it, and the thing is you have to wait for a bed at a, like a convalescent or skilled nursing. So you get your name on that list early is what mm -hmm. I've learned. Okay. So then it was an easy transition. I'm a little like, um, lost for words because, um, I, imagine that not only is it just like the physical time, but the mental, um, amount of time that you have to spend planning, thinking about worrying. And then actually when you're there, just the stress of, of this, right. Can yes. you talk a little and, bit about that? Yeah. You know, the, um, the other part, in addition to that is the times that you're not there, and your work, you know, like you were saying, it's on your mind all the time, yes. even when you're not there. Yes. And the other part, I don't know if I had mentioned that my husband's an only child and I am also an only child. Mm -hmm. So there are no siblings to help us. And um, it, it weighs on you. And for my husband taking care of his mom, that's hard. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's hard for him. He doesn't, you know, that's not a comfortable place to be. So. Um, I would say that we think about this, you know, every day for sure, multiple times, just be, you know, now that she's in a safer place and we know that she's taken care of, we don't have to worry. It's been a huge relief. And that's only been, it's only been a week now that she's oh, been, wow. Okay. This is brand new okay. because her level, you know, all of a sudden mm -hmm. she just could not take care of herself. Okay. So, so when we texted was a lot of that stress kind of that transition also from the care that she, what you were providing her and then her going into a, a care facility. I mean, I imagine that that alone is a whole process in itself. It absolutely is. And she was not a willing participant. Mm. Um, you know, she didn't know all the behind the scenes stuff. We just, you know, we're trying to tell her at, you know, each, you know, each time we saw her, you know, eventually this is going to change. And she's like, I don't want to leave my place. And I understand that. But so we just had to tell her that, you know, it's about safety and we want you to be safe. And she was very angry and said a lot of awful things mm -hmm. to Sean, which is I completely understandable. And I mean, it hurts his heart, but he knows it's not, you know, his mother saying those things. And he's doing what's best, but I will say you second guess yourself all the time. Sure. We second guess ourselves, and and we've got a really good family that you know is very helpful and understanding. But even with with that, people will second guess us and want to give us advice or ask if we could do something else. And I resent that 
thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Um, like Brene Brown says, if you're not in the trenches side by side with me, I don't want, I don't need your opinion and I don't yeah. want it. And I have flat out told people that because that's what you have to say. Cause it's a little bit insulting when they go, why can't she just go to the Californian, you know, or go to right. the cute little place. It's mm-hmm. like, it's not that simple. You know, it's I really, mean, that's tough. a whole nother side, Maria, that we didn't even kind of talk about at leading into this conversation is the, I mean, peer or family pressure for the decisions that you are, I mean, you didn't ask for this, right? These things came to you because you were the ones that were available and um, I guess made the most sense, right? A child for their parent. Um, That's right. But but one part, it, I guess it is the pressure that you feel or the opinions or the chatter that other people feel they can just put on you you know, and have actually expectations that you answer them. That's the crazy part, right? That's pretty, yeah, that would be very frustrating. It is very frustrating. And I think because we second guess ourselves, Mm -hmm. we want to explain like, no, 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 really, you know? And then of course that makes me angry after, because I'm like, how dare you people making me try to explain something that I've been dealing with for four years and you've been up here one time, you know? So you, there is resentment there. Um, you know, and Sean feels really bad because he's trying so hard to do everything for his mother, who he loves very much mm-hmm. and second guessing him all, all himself all the time is really sure. hard, you know, just that alone. Well, it's an immense responsibility, right. And that you've never had to do to this extent. So it's all such new ground that you're kind of, you know, traveling and is it traversing, you know? trying to figure out like how to get your bearings, but also this is his mother. And um, I'm curious if you feel comfortable sharing. I imagine there's a mourning period, right? Where, where your mom is not your mom that, you know, you know, and things life is now different with that person. Um, Have you experienced that? And is that a topic of conversation for you too? Yeah, you know, early on, it was, it was kind of out there, oh, someday this is going to happen. And so things were kind of status quo, you know, first, um, small changes. But then, you know, I will say the things that I've learned about Alzheimer's, one of the things is that it loves depression, and it actually moves forward, you know, eating the brain like three times faster. with unchecked depression and, you know, and then isolation, all of those things, because people with Alzheimer's need lots of, you know, um, attention and things. And so I think Sean, for both of us, it was status quo, like I said, in the beginning. And then as things does it, but this is also a very emotional thing, watching your mother lose her mind, you know? Mm -hmm. So he, so he, some days he can see it and some days he doesn't want to see it. It's really hard. You know, it just breaks your heart. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we don't, um, I mean, now it's more of a reality. I mean, obviously with the statistics I shared earlier that, uh, children are now, you know, adult children are now caring for their elderly parents way more than ever. Right. And so it's just, 
um, it's such a change in direction of the world that you know, you know, and have known your entire life to then now be the caregiver. So um, one of the things uh, that came to mind when we were talking earlier is kind of the effects of your family dynamics. I mean, you had mentioned, you know, the sandwich generation and you have, you know, two young not young, but like uh, adult, young adult child. And then also when, is he in a senior? He's a junior this junior year. Junior in high school. I mean, so, yeah. and there's so much hap that happens with your children when they're in school and especially in high school. And so your time is just being torn apart. It is a very awful situation when you have to choose between going to your son's basketball game mm -hmm. or sitting with your mother and it's not, a good situation, you know? Um, so the family dynamics, the time is huge. That's a very big thing. So you end up feeling a lot of guilt, you know, because like you're not there. And then if you, you're not at your kid's game, you feel guilty for not that, you know, and there is some resentment that you have inside that you're like, damn it. Why do I have, this is awful. Why? This is so unfair mm -hmm. to us. But, you know, you go through that and you just, you know, you have to get past that. You know, and so we've just done a good job of trying to find right caregivers so that we can still have our family time mm -hmm. because that's very important because our son did not, he doesn't, he gets to have us until he graduates from high school. Right. That's just how it's going to be. And so, um, you know, it's finding the best caregivers that you can in the price that you can find and, and all of that, um, you know, I think one thing I will say that's positive in being an only child is that we don't have anybody to argue with, <laughs> you know, or if, yes. because I've heard stories where some kids oh. are like, no, I'm not doing that. So then it falls on one person, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe the, the daughter, the brothers are not interested or whatever it is. And that creates a lot of resentment. I would right. think, I know I would be resentful if I'm doing all this work and nobody's helping me. So having you know, being only children, we kind of just have each other and we commiserate and we kind of, mm -hmm. and, you know, so that helps us a little bit. The other thing that's really important is to know your strengths because like, I'm not, I hate to say this to the world, but nurturing and nursing is not my strong suit. It's just not. Mm -hmm. So I'm really good at research and calling people and tracking down and, and being the advocate because mm -hmm. you have to have somebody who's advocating for you. So I think early on, we decided like, I take the paperwork side, you take the hands-on side as far as, you know, and just try to help each other the most you can because it is really hard. Thank you for sharing that because I think that I'm sure you are 100% not alone, but in saying that, I mean, you will make people feel so seen because I'm sure that they've held that comment to themselves because they think they should be totally nurturing and caring and loving. And, and in this situation, Maria, it, that, and especially that it's your mother-in-law, you know, it, it, it's not the blood, you know, relation yes. that it, it, it's, this is the reality. Not everyone yep. is able to be that nurturing and caregiver, um, and, and that that's totally okay. And I love that you called out how you, your strengths. I think that that's so important to understand and to be okay with, right? Yes. And the other thing that has come up in the fa family dynamics that was not anticipated was the effect that it has on our other older people, my mother, 
mm. my aunts, his, the other aunts. And so my mom sees the struggle that we're, that we're going through. And she, you know, my mom is going to be 85 next year and she's healthy and still does all her things. And it's all great. Thank you. Um, to the universe, you know, and mm. to her for taking really good care of herself. Um, but she's also sees how much pressure. So she always says, don't worry, I, I, you won't have to do these things, which makes me feel horrible because, right. you know, because if I'm venting of my frustrations, then I can easily see where she would put it on herself. And so I had to have a sit down with her and say, look, I need to vent, but I, but besides all that, I will always take care of you. Your situation is completely different. You are financially set up. We, mm -hmm. we've, we've talked about this before. Um, so, but it does make her feel a certain way too, you know? Yeah. And, well, and speaking of finances, what would you suggest to people our age, right? Who do have elderly parents that this could, or any type of care might be needed. And it finances is such like a taboo subject, but it is so required in this particular situation, Right like you as the child deserve to know and understand what your parents' financial um, constraints or what, what's, you know, what are you allowed to, to utilize for their care? Um, how, how would you suggest if you've never had those conversations to kind of embark on that? Well, I mean, they can use this podcast to mm -hmm. say, Hey, I heard this, let's talk about it because, you know, it's in a conversation that you have to have early on, you mm -hmm. know, and if you haven't, it's never too late, but have it anyway. But it is an intrusive conversation, you know, yeah. it's like, where's your retirement? How much do you have? You know, have you taken care of this? But the things that I did is do, do you have a will? I mean, I knew some of this with my mom already. Do you have a trust? Mm -hmm. Those are super important. You know, where's your money? Where, you know, how, and the other part is what is your expectation for your care, but what is your expectation for me in that mm -hmm. realm? You know, because some people would say, I'm all good. I don't need, just come and visit me on Sunday or whatever it is. You know, some will be like, I don't know. I haven't thought about it yet because nobody wants to think about all that junk. Right. I mean, this has made me think about it. And we've already had a conversation with both our boys to tell them that don't worry, we have it squared away. And, you know, whatever happens, we are prepared financially you know, um, because it catches you off guard and being younger and having to deal with this, you know, we don't have all the time, you know, we're not retired. Mm -hmm. So we're not just right. doing our own thing. We're retired people are busy too, but you know what I mean? We're mm -hmm. still trying to make the train go stuff. Yeah. You're still building your financial freedom, right? Like you're still yes. cr creating your fi financial world. So that makes sense. How did that conversation with your boys go? I think our older son understood and he said, mom, it's okay. I know, I know you guys have taken care of things, you know, it makes me want to cry really, mm -hmm. because <laughs> having those conversations, you know, you're talking about your own mortality mm -hmm. and then you're talking about you know, dying to your children. I mm -hmm. mean, geez, you know, and our younger son who's 16, he's like, yeah, whatever you guys, you know, right. I know you got it. You know, he's not seeing it with the same kind of eyes that the rest sure. of us are. Um, 
so it wasn't difficult because we are prepared. It's when you're not prepared, I couldn't imagine how difficult that conversation would be. I mean, with Sean's mom, she was like, well, I guess we'll just figure it out, you know, because there was no turning back at that point. We were already down the road. Right. Exactly. There's exactly. nothing to fix or change at that point. <clears throat> Man, Maria. Um, There's something else I want to yeah, say too please. about, I know I'm thinking, you know, culturally, there's lots of cultures that do multi and everyone stays mm-hmm. in their house. And, and historically in my family, all our people have been at home. Nobody's been in a, in a care facility. So we look at that like, ugh, you know, it, it would be better to be ha- at home and taking care. Um, but people were prepared to do that. You know what I mean? Right. And so mm-hmm. it was. Um, well, yes. I mean, children grew up with their parents caring for the grandparents in the home, like generationally, exactly. it just happened over and over. So it was just part yep. of the family and culture. Um, but yep. yes, we are very decentralized in that, in that way. Right. Well, yeah. And if you don't, I mean, we're not in a situation where we could keep her safe at our home because mm-hmm. someone needs to be with her to, you know, because there's many, we have a pool. I mean, I could, you know, go yeah. on and on, but so, um, that was not an option for us right now. Like mm-hmm. maybe in a while down the road, it would have been, you know, we could have handled that, but we can't. So then of course we have to go the institutional way and they're not pretty, which is really heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's just another set of worries, right? That, yes. put, yeah, putting her, I mean, there's obviously lots of horror stories that we don't have to get into, but you just want to make sure that she's cared for and and uh, safe and all those things. That's right. And then, you know, one of the things it's only been not even two weeks yet since she's been in there, but one of the big things is that now we can just go visit and just enjoy Mm -hmm. as opposed to hands-on dealing. No, we got to do this. We got to do this. And so in that way, it's a positive because Mm -hmm. we can go and watch, she likes to watch the 49er game, you know, and visit with her and, you know, it, it's a good thing. And then I think it's going to be even better. And I think she feels more safe so she can calm down a little, like relax her system. Mm-hmm. Because can you imagine wake, waking up and having flashes of, of moments where you know you're not in the right situation? I, I it's I think that everything I've read, that's the hardest part before it's your mind is completely gone. And yeah. I my heart just goes out to everybody dealing with that horrific yeah. disease. So, um, can I ask about what you've been under tremendous stress and, and I'm sure anxiety and just that pressure, uh, that you've been under, how have you been able to self-care? Well, you know, um, like I said, I'm not very good at nursing, but I am very good at my own (laughs) self-care because I've learned over the years how important it is. Mm -hmm. So when I feel I book a massage and Mm -hmm. I just go, I don't, you know, and, um, Sean and I will go to dinner and we, you know, we'll say, let's table that conversation and just talk, dream about fun stuff and talk about other things. So we have to remove ourselves from it a little Mm -hmm. bit and like turn it off Yeah, because it's always on. So those are things. And, and, you know, I can see when he's, I can feel his energy when it's getting too much. And so, you know, I'm like, Hey, can I take some things off your plate? Because I know you have, you know, extra and just, we treat each other with kit gloves 
a lot more. I mean, we've always been obviously kind, kind to each other, yeah. but yeah. now we hold a very special place for each one of us to have our moments because mm -hmm. we, we've had them all along the way where somebody's had enough, can do no more. Mm -hmm. and you know thankfully we haven't been in the same place bad place at the same right. time mm -hmm. you know so um it's just being trying to be kind and loving and gracious with each other you know it's hard I love that yeah I that's special though that you are both able to get to that place where you understand that and make room for you know the feelings of overwhelm and all of that I mean that's so important just for your relationship too, because that has changed due to, you know, I'm just making some assumptions that, you know, it's probably changed a little bit, but you both being able to find the ways to kind of like connect differently is so important. For um, sure. And yeah, you know, I feel because I could see, like, say if in a different situation where a person, an older person, the the parent has been very selfish, let's say, or whatever. And now you're having to take care. I mean, he and his mom are in great terms, but what mm -hmm. if you have to, I don't know what that would be like to have to take care of someone that didn't take very good care of you, let's say, right. maybe when you were mm -hmm. a child, those mm -hmm. are, those are real things, you know? Right. Yeah. And um, so I, my, just my heart, aches that he has to do all this and you know he's 47 years old you know that's a lot for a man you know and he's yeah. and you know watching his mom like that I just I just yeah. try to remember that absolutely anything else that you'd like to add as we part or end this conversation one of the things is there are a lot of resources out there now maybe they don't all meet but I mean from in-home supportive services, they call IHSS, to the care card, to Meals on Wheels. I mean, those things we could put in the show notes. And I mean, people can find those in their mm -hmm. own community. And, you know, if you're, I guess we're in California, so they're definitely here. And I'm sure, you know, there's, they're in other places. And if you can find yourself a good senior advocate that, that knows, you know, the paperwork part of it, that's the thing because there's so much paperwork involved. And I think if the first, the very first thing, if this comes to anybody's way is to get the doctors all on board and to have a team and you can ask for that. You can ask for meetings. You can, you have to be your own advocate. I have to stress that because many times people will say, well, that's what they told me. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, that is not good enough. You can't, you can't be passive. That's my biggest point because you're advocating for someone else. And in some of these cases, you know, people maybe are not working at their top, you know, P, you know, whatever. And they're right. just like, yeah, they're very, you know, some people are lazadaisical. Oh yeah. Just send us a form or whatever. But it's really important to stay on top of it and to um, not take no for an answer. That's what has worked for us. That is great advice. And I will put all of the uh, resources that you noted in there, if I can find like the local or California, but like, like Maria said, you can Google these items and if for your local area, Maria, thank you so much for sharing this part of your life with us. I think that, um, you know, not just with Alzheimer's, but also just elderly care in general is, you know, a topic that I think 
um, especially for our demographic of listeners, it's probably being experienced more than we know um, by our listeners. So I'm, I really thank you for sharing everything and being so open. Well, thank you. I feel like I, if anyone has any questions for me, I'm happy to answer them. And, you know, I wish that I would have had a place to go to learn mm -hmm. about all of this. And I'm happy that I know this now. And I certainly am happy to share anything I can with anybody because it's an emotional thing. Um, it's It really can knock you off your feet and being as prepared as you possibly can um, helps. Okay. It really does. So yes. what we'll do is um, we'll just, I can just say now, if you have questions for Maria, uh, send them our way and then we'll forward them and, yeah. and we'll make sure to share their email with you, Maria, that way you can respond directly if you'd like. And I'm you can, do that. yeah, you can reach us at your future therapist podcast at gmail.com. Thank you again, Maria. Thank you.